Well, thank you, uh, Peter, and uh, much more comfortable uh, with a Bible in front of me than a guitar on my shoulder, I have to say, but uh, it's a joy to be able to turn uh, to God's Word with you this morning, so if you have your Bible, please open with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts, chapter 16. Now, all the way back in the year 2002, and I just realized this morning that is two decades ago, I graduated university. And you know, you're starting to get old when you count your past in decades rather than in years. We're sort of starting to get there. Uh, But 2002, I graduated Manchester University, and although I was brought up in a Christian home, Although I had uh, professed faith as as a child in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I hadn't been walking with the Lord during my years in university. Uh, And so by the time that I graduated in 2002, I had my own plans. Uh, And my own plans didn't involve the Lord, and they didn't involve church. Uh, I knew what I wanted to do, and to be quite honest, I didn't really care too much about what God wanted me to do. But then one day during that summer of 2002, I I was sitting at home with my father and my younger sister, and my dad asked me a question. He said, Steve, you've graduated university now, so what are your plans? What are you going to do next? Uh, And I said to him, well, dad, I'm going back to Manchester and I'm going to um, move in with some friends I have there, and I'm going to get a job there, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, And my dad turned to me, and and he asked me a question. He said to me this. He said, okay, Steve, that's fine, Uh, but is that what God wants you to do? Now, that summer I had been offered the chance, the opportunity to go to Bible college, Uh, It was in a a place called Murrieta in California, and at the time, I couldn't think of anything worse. Going to Bible college was my worst nightmare, um, and I wanted nothing to do with it. But over the course of that summer, the Lord uh, did quite a, a few things, and it became very clear to me that I had a choice. The choice was very simple, and it was very clear. I could either go back to Manchester or I could go out to Murrieta. Or to put it another way, I could either go my way or God's way. The decision became very clear. The problem I had was that I had a lot of sin in my life that needed to be confessed. Uh, It was a huge burden on my shoulders, a burden that I didn't really realize that I had. Uh, And cutting a a very long and in many ways quite wonderful story very short, one night um, as I was lying in my bed, uh, God spoke to me very powerfully and very clearly uh, a verse from 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 9, which says, that if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
that night in that moment. And I did. I confessed my sin to the Lord for the first time in years. And I found that God was indeed faithful and he was indeed just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Uh, And so it began to dawn on me that God was calling me to go to Bible college, the one thing that I really did not want to do. Uh, And I was coming to terms slowly with that fact, to the point at which I actually did. I decided that it was the right thing, that it was God's uh, path for my life, and that that is what I wanted to do. Interestingly, God didn't change his plan for my life. What he did change was my heart. Uh, And so in January 2003, I went to Bible college. I spent two years there, and at that point, it was the most significant and in many ways, the best two years uh, of my life. And during that time, I grew in grace. I grew in my knowledge of the Lord. I grew in my knowledge and understanding of his word. I made uh, many friends who I'm still friends with uh, today. Indeed, it's where I first met my uh, wife. Uh, But at the end of my Bible college uh, time, I went home. And I, I, I came home knowing that God had called me to be a teacher of his word, knowing that God had called me to be a pastor. Now, there was a couple of big problems with that. Uh, the first big problem was that I was petrified of public speaking, and I had no intention whatsoever of ever standing up in front of anybody. Uh, the second problem was I wasn't really a people person at all. I preferred to be over in the corner on my own, and I, I wasn't a particularly sociable person. And so not exactly a prime candidate to be a public teacher of the word and to be a pastor of people. But yet, once again, over a period of time, God didn't change his plan for my life, but he did change my heart. And here we are, some 20 years after I finished Bible college, and... Um, here I am before you, and if you'd have asked me 20 years ago if I would be even here today doing this, I would have said, no way. But it's all by God's grace. It's all by God's grace. And, and what I want to share with you this morning is really the subject of the calling of God. The calling of God, because God has a calling for each and every one of us in the body of Christ. Uh, to put it a, a, another way, God has things that he wants you to do. God has things that he wants me to do. Now, God's calling can be understood uh, both in a general sense and in a specific sense. Uh, generally, it's God's calling that we grow in our knowledge of him. Generally, it's God's calling that we grow in our knowledge of his word, and thus we grow in the likeness of Christ. Generally, it's God's will that we love him and that we serve him in the church and we bear witness to him outside of the church. These are God's general callings, if you like, that are true of every believer in Jesus Christ. But while there's the general calling of God on the one hand, 
There is also what we might refer to as the specific calling of God on the other hand. Not so much what does God want all of us to do, but what does God want me to do? What does God want you to do? And that can be different for each and every one of us. Uh, and, and it's an important question for us to think about is, well, what is it that God wants me to do? What part do I have to play within the church of Jesus Christ? Where does God want me to be? What does God want me to do? Uh, and so as we look at this passage in Acts chapter 16, I pray it will be helpful uh, for you in thinking about this subject of the calling of God. And I hope that it will encourage you to be obedient to his calling. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, you know what? I don't actually know what God wants me to do. Well, I pray that this morning God will speak to you and that you will find out or certainly at least begin to because sometimes it's a process. So, Acts chapter 16. Uh, Our passage is verses 6 through 10. We pick up the narrative on Paul's second missionary journey. He's uh, traveling with his companions Silas and Timothy. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 5, we are told that they had been traveling around the churches that they had that Paul had planted on his first missionary journey and he had been encouraging them and strengthening them and thus seeing them grow. Wonderful ministry. And so, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6, follow along with me, we read that now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision... Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. And I do pray that you would bless your word to each and every one of our hearts. That we may be encouraged. That we may grow more in our knowledge of you. And indeed, that we would grow more in our knowledge and understanding of the calling which you have for each and every one of our lives. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would bless your word to each and every one of our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I've got a little heading in my Bible above verse 6. You might have one too. It's not part of the inspired text. It's a heading that's added by the translators. Uh, Sometimes those headings are helpful, sometimes a little less so, but nevertheless, there they are. But the heading in my Bible says, the Macedonian call. 
Uh, and, and that's a, a somewhat um, familiar and, and, and well-known uh, heading for this passage. And really, it is what this passage is all about. It's about God calling three men to take the gospel to Macedonia specifically. But as we read through these verses, there is much application here for all of us to take generally. Uh, And there are three things in particular by way of outline, three things that we can learn from the Apostle Paul and his companions here in Acts chapter 16 as it pertains to the call of God. Three things we learn about Paul and his companions. Uh, Number one is we see that they had a heart to serve the Lord. They had a heart to serve the Lord. Take a look again with me at verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now when they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. Okay, so a lot of geography. Um, If we had a map, we could uh, sort of show you uh, where that all took place in Asia Minor, sort of uh, modern-day Turkey. But what I want you to notice here, importantly, is that we see in these verses that these three men had a heart to serve the Lord. Notice verse 6, when they had gone. Verse 7, after they had come. Verse 7 again, they tried to go. Verse 8, they came down to Troas. (coughs) Four times in those three verses we read of their coming and their going. Now why were they coming and why were they going? Well, they were coming, they were going. Why? Because they wanted to go wherever they could go in order to preach the gospel. The desire of their heart was to serve the Lord, and they wanted to be used by the Lord in the building up of his church and in the furtherance of his kingdom. And so what we see here by way of example in these verses is that these three men were willing to go wherever it was that God wanted them to go, and they were willing to do whatever it was that God wanted them to do. That was the desire of their hearts, to serve the Lord. And you see, this is where it begins for all of us as well. It begins in the heart. It begins with the desire of our heart. And so we can ask the question this morning as we each examine our own hearts. What is the desire of our hearts? Like honestly, you know, truly, what do we really want to do? Do we want to do what Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Do we really want, as Paul expressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that whatever we do, we do all for the glory of the Lord? Is that the desire of our hearts? You see, God wants the desire of your heart. God wants the desire of my heart. And he wants us to be willing to do anything for him and for his glory. Now, you may say, well, hold on a minute, hang on. This is getting a bit too much. 
What if God wants me to do something that I don't want to do? What if God wants me to go somewhere that I don't want to go? What do I do then? Well, it's a good question, isn't it? What if God wanted you to do something that you didn't want to do? What would you do? Would you be willing? What if God wanted you to go somewhere that you didn't really want to go? What would you do? Would you be willing? Now, I have to say that God doesn't always call us to do everything we don't want to do all of the time. God doesn't always call us to give up everything that we have all of the time. But he does want us to be willing. He does want the desire of our heart. He does call all of us as believers in Jesus Christ to be willing to give up anything and indeed everything for him, even our own desires of what we want and what we don't want. Jesus expressed this very clearly in Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoa, hang on a minute, Jesus. Whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You see, this is a high calling. The calling of God to us as believers is a call of discipleship. And the call of discipleship is a call to lifelong sacrificial service of the Lord. Now, but here's the thing. When God calls us to do something that we don't want to do, and we take it to the Lord and we wrestle with it, you know, something wonderful often happens. And I can testify this in my own experience. Because as we decide to seek him first, his kingdom, his will, his purpose, as we decide to lay my wants and my desires to one side, and when I commit myself to say, Lord, yes, I, I will confess, I don't want to do it, but I know you want me to do it, then God begins to change our hearts. He begins to change the desire of our hearts. And those desires start to move away from what we want and start to move more and more towards what God wants. You know, oftentimes people make the mistake of waiting till they want to do something before they're willing to do it. Okay, God, well, if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to change my heart first. Because if you don't change my heart first, then I ain't going to do it. And God says, well, you know what? What I want you to do is to obey me. And when you obey me, then I will begin to change your heart. And that's the way it often goes. But when it begins to happen, it's a wonderful thing. Because when I step out in obedience and God starts to work in my heart, there becomes a closer and closer harmony between God's will and my will. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. 
expressed by the psalmist in Psalm 37, who said, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, if you delight yourself in the Lord, if you seek first his kingdom, his purposes, and his will, then God will change your heart. And then a wonderful harmony will take place when God wants you to do and what you want to do come together. And that is the place where we want to be, right in the middle of God's will for our lives. And so we see Paul, Silas and Timothy. They were three men who had a heart to serve the Lord, and they were willing to come and go and do whatever it was and go wherever it would be in order to serve the Lord. And this is what God is looking for in you and in me. He's looking for the desire of our hearts and a willingness to serve him, whatever that involves and whatever that means. And that brings us to our second point, second observation that we see of these three men. Not only did they have a heart to serve the Lord, But we notice in verses 6 through 9 that they also received direction from the Lord. And this is very interesting. Uh, Take a look again uh, at verse 6. Now, when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And so here we see that these three men received direction from the Lord. But in these verses, the Lord directed them, very interestingly, by saying no. The Lord directed them by saying no. Now that's very interesting. You notice at the end of verse 6, as they they were going here and going there, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And then again, in verse 7, they they, they went somewhere else, but then the Spirit did not permit them. To put it simply, God said no. They went this way and God said no. They went that way and God said no again. God directed them by saying no. No. Now, uh, these verses raise a number of, of questions. They're very interesting uh, verses. I mean, you might say, well, well, how on earth did God say no exactly in practice? I mean, they were heading, you know, down, down this way. They were going to go to this town. But then, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, forbade them from going. It's like, well, well how did he do that? How did that happen? Um, and we're not told in the text. We don't really know. We think, well, maybe it could have been like... A, some something physical, like they may, to be, may have been on the road and all of a sudden there was a big roadblock in the way and they, they just physically couldn't get there. Maybe that's how the Lord said uh, no. Uh, maybe, you know, they, they received a warning from somebody uh, not, not to go. Uh, we, we don't know for sure. We can speculate. Uh, but nevertheless, what we do know is that they knew, however they knew, that God did not want them to go and preach the gospel to those particular cities. That then raises another interesting question. And that is, why on earth would God not want them to go and preach the gospel to those cities? I mean, that's a good thing, right? Preaching the gospel. In fact, God commands us to preach the gospel, doesn't he? 
So, so, so why on earth would God say no? And again, in the text we're not told. We don't know. We don't know why. Again, we, we could speculate, maybe God knew that the people in those cities uh, wouldn't be receptive to the gospel, so, um, so so he was directing them elsewhere. Maybe he knew that they'd be in some kind of danger in that city, and so that's why he did. Maybe God had a plan to send somebody else to those cities uh, that they didn't know about. I mean, we don't know. But what we do know is it, it was not the right thing, and it was not the right time. For those three men to go to those places. We don't know why. And to be honest, it's quite possible they didn't know why either. But God knew. And God made it clear. Uh, He made it clear by saying no. And, and, And that's an important lesson for us. Because sometimes God says no. Now, when God says no, that can be a difficult thing for us to accept sometimes. Just as much as when God wants us to do something we don't want to do can be challenging, so too, when God says no to something we do want to do, that can be challenging as well. But the reality is, is sometimes God directs us by saying no. And that can even be when what we want to do is something good in and of itself. Now, why would God say no? It could be for a number of reasons. Uh, Maybe it's not the right time. God knows more than we do, so on and so forth. Oftentimes, God doesn't say, and oftentimes, we don't know why. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with not knowing why God says no. Now you might say, well, well, how can I be okay with that? Because frankly, I I want to know why. God, why isn't this happening? God, why can't I go there? God, why aren't you doing this? God, why aren't you doing that? We, We want to know. We want to know why. We want answers. We want explanations. And that's a very natural thing. And we all experience those kinds of things. But here's something really, really important. The Christian life is lived by the promises of God, not by the explanations of God. The Christian life is lived by the promises of God, not by the explanations of God. And part of growing and maturing in the Christian life is not having to know the answer to every question that we have and not needing an explanation for every circumstance that may arise. Because you know what? The Christian life that we are called to live is a life of faith. It's a life of faith. Second Corinthians 5 verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now that's a challenge because we want to walk by sight and we don't want to walk by faith so much of the time. But you see, this is what God calls us to. The Christian life is a life of faith. And because it is a life of faith, it is a life that is lived, rooted in the promises of God, not the explanations of God. And when I walk by faith, I don't have to know the reason why. 
Because I know that God has a reason why. I may not know what that reason is. I may never know what that reason is. But I trust in his promises that he is working all things together according to the counsel of his will. That he is working all things together for good to those who love God and those who are the called according to his purposes. And you know, if there's one thing that I've learned over the last 20 years, it's this. God knows more than me. God knows more than me. Now, I don't know if you've discovered that yet, but it's true. God knows more than me, and because he knows more than me, God's ways are better than my ways. You know, so often we think that we know best. We so often we think that my way is the best way. You know, as I look back on my own life 20 years ago, my way was to go back to Manchester with my non-Christian friends. I shudder to think the direction my life would have gone had I have chosen my way, which at the time to me seemed to be the best way. But I was so wrong. So wrong. And I'm so thankful for his grace, for God's grace in directing me. Because so often we think we know best when God's way is always the best way. Even when I don't like it, even when I don't understand it. The Christian life is lived by the promises of God, not by the explanations of God. And so we see in the text then that the Lord directed these three men, firstly by saying no. But he then, in verse 9, directed them by saying, go. Take a look, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. You see, there it is. This is what they had been waiting for. The clear direction of the Lord. But there's something really important here that we've got to put together between the Lord directing us by saying no and then the Lord directing us by saying go. And that is because here in the text what we see is that because they trusted in the Lord when he was saying no, they were ready to listen when God said go. Now imagine if they were heading down to the area of Galatia and they said, we've got to go preach the gospel in this country and in this area. And then by whatever reason or by whatever means, God said no. And then they thought, no, no, but we've got to do it. So, so, so they carried on trying and they carried on persisting. And the Lord was saying no, but they didn't listen. They, they just kept on trying and striving in order to do what they thought was the right thing to do. If they had have done that, they never would have ended up passing by Mycenae. And they never would have ended up in Troas. And they never would have been where God wanted them to be, to hear what God wanted them to hear, to go where God wanted them to go. It was because they were obedient and trusted the Lord when he was saying no. Even if they didn't understand it. 
that they were then ready to listen when God said, go. And it's so, so important that when we are faced with decisions or we don't know what to do, that we wait on the Lord, that we commit it to the Lord in prayer, that we have in our in our minds and in our hearts before the Lord, Lord, I do not want my will, I want your will to be done. Because when we go, when God says no, we go in our own strength. And you don't want to make decisions to go down roads in your own strength. But when we go, when God says go, then we are not going in our own strength, but we are going in God's strength. Because when we go, when God says go, at his direction, we go with his blessing. And we need his blessing. We need his strength. We need his power. But when we go where God wants us to go, we know that we have his strength, that we have his presence with us, that we have his blessing. And so God, he directs us sometimes by saying no. He will also direct us by saying go. But let's not be distracted during the season of no. Let us trust the Lord. Let us trust in his promises. And wait upon him for when he says go. And that brings us to our third and final point. And this is where we wrap it up this morning. Because not only did these three men, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, have a heart to serve the Lord, not only did they receive direction from the Lord, but then in verse 10, we see that they were immediately obedient to the Lord. They were immediately obedient to the Lord. Take a look at verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision of the man of Macedonia pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, another little interesting tidbit there in verse 10 is you notice that there's a a change in pronoun used. Um, In the verses previous, Luke, who's the writer of the book of Acts, is saying they did this and they did that. But all of a sudden now, the pronouns change to we. So Paul, Silas, Timothy, they were directed by the Lord and they were obedient to the Lord in not going to all these other places so that they might end up in Troas. And at Troas, they met Luke. And Luke would then join them on the journey. Now, this is an interesting point to think about in the Lord's directing. Because so often, the Lord directs us by saying no. And when we yield to his no, and we wait for his go, the Lord has people there ready to help us, to be with us. People that we need to be alongside us, to do what he has called us to do. 
And so in verse 10 we see this, this immediate obedience to the Lord. That's what it says. Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, how did they conclude that? Well, simply because they were trying to preach the gospel everywhere else and the Lord kept saying no. And then this vision uh, comes, come over to Macedonia and preach the gospel to us, that the first time the gospel would go to the continent of Europe. And then they said, well, here it is. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the word of the Lord. So what are we waiting for? Let's go. Let's jump on the ship. Come on, Dr. Luke, you're coming with us. Boom. And off they went. They were immediately obedient to go where God wanted them to go, to do what God wanted them to do. And the reason that they did it, of course, at the end, was because they concluded that it was the Lord that had directed them. And so, in conclusion, when God calls, very simply, when God calls, we must obey. When God calls, we must obey. No matter what it means that we have to do, and no matter where it means we have to go, whether we want to do it, or whether we want to go there or not, As children of God, we must lay down our own desires, our own will, and we must obey the call of God, trusting in the promises of God, trusting him to provide, to enable, to empower, to give us anything and everything that we need, knowing that where God guides, God provides. And I have found that to be true. Where God guides, God provides. And God's way is always the best way. God's plan is always the best plan. And when we go in his will, we go in his power. We go in his strength. And when we go in his power and strength, things that are impossible for me, we find to be very possible with God. And so... We close with a challenge. What is it that God's calling you to do? The Lord may have laid something on your heart more generally. He may have laid something on your heart more specifically. The question is, is are you willing to be obedient to that call? And I would encourage you not only to be obedient to the call, but be obedient wholeheartedly. Give it everything that you have. Love him and serve him with your whole heart. And you will find, in the words of the old hymn, that if you trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Father, we ask that you would bless your word to our hearts. And Father, we would recognize that that there are times when we know that you want us to do something or to go somewhere, and frankly, we just don't want to. And that could be for a whole host of reasons. It could be our pride. It could be our selfishness. It could be because we're afraid. And so, Father, I I just pray that by your spirit that you would minister to each and every one here this morning. 
that you would minister your words of comfort, that you would minister your strength, that you would minister your encouragement. Lord, that each and every one of us here would know, without a shadow of a doubt, your promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that if we go in your will, we go in your power. And so I pray, Lord, for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here this morning, that you would use each and every one of them in great and in mighty ways, even beyond what they can even imagine, even today, in order to build up your church unto your glory and in order to see the furtherance of your kingdom here in this community and beyond. Again, all unto the praise and honor of your glory. We thank you for this time. We thank you for our fellowship together. We thank you for your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.